Hello and welcome. My name is Adam Curtis and I am the curate here at Christchurch and it is a joy to be with you all. If you have got a Bible, please do keep Hebrews chapter 9 open as we'll be delving, delving deep. Now, for those who remember, um, we've been doing, well, those were here, sorry. We were doing Hebrews just before the summer and we got to Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. Um, it's stuck in my memory doing that, 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 that sermon. One, because it's beautiful, liberating truth, but secondly, because Tom made us do a memory verse of the 14th uh, verse, and, uh, and that was uh, cringy enough to stay in my mind for many weeks afterwards. But um, So we'll be picking it up from verse 15, chapter 9, verse 15 onwards. But um, uh, yes, so chapter 9, verse 15 to the end, it's sort of quite a simple sort of like truth. It's all sort of held in the 15th verse, and then afterwards we're given six reasons why it's true. And we looked at this 15th verse. For this reason, Christ is a mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. One truth, Christ is our mediator, but that's a beautiful truth. Christ is our mediator. The mediator is the one who stands between two warring parties to hold them together, to bring them together. Christ is that mediator of that new covenant. Covenant, as soon as we hear that word, will our minds spring back to to Abraham and the covenant that God made with him, that he would increase uh, him from being just one person into a mighty nation, as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the ground. Um, that he would rule over them, his, they would know his rule and blessing, and then he'd take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. So we think of the Abra- Abrahamic covenant, but we hear covenant, we also think of the Mosaic covenant. We think of Mount Sinai and the Lord God speaking to his people from that mountain of fire and of smoke. And we think of uh, the Ten Commandments and how the people of God were told to, to keep these Ten Commandments. And then the people of God could then be at one with their holy God. But as we're thinking of covenant, well, we've got the Abrahamic covenant, we've got the Mosaic covenant, but then our our minds obviously then wander off further into the prophets, into Jeremiah, where we remember the Lord God seeing the devastation of his people's just sin and their wickedness and, and saying to his people that he will create a new covenant, a covenant which will be written upon their hearts. And so we sort of have this whole background of covenant. And, the, and it's like we are waiting for this, for this new covenant to occur and for these old covenants to be fulfilled. And with this whole background of covenant, we are waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ with his coming, with his living, with his dying, with his rising. So with this whole history of covenant, we have the Lord Jesus Christ coming and this new covenant being established. So Jesus is the mediator between two warring parties, the Father and between us. And he is that mediator of this new covenant, that long-expected, awaited covenant. And with this new covenant being enacted, then suddenly those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. All these things which were promised under Abraham, that were promised under Moses, they can now become true. These promises can be experienced can be known, can be enjoyed. And why is this the case? Well, because Jesus came and lived the life we couldn't live and died the death that we deserve to die to pay that ransom for sins. 
so that everything that was broken under Moses and under the Mosaic Covenant, everything which was broken then could be restored. So Christ is our mediator. He is our mediator. And that is one beautiful truth. So as we come now to God's word, let's, um, let's come in a moment of prayer. Oh, dearest God, as we come to your word, we thank you that you speak to us. And for those who know this truth that Christ is our mediator, may these old truths be fresh and enjoyed again today. For those who do not know this truth that it is a new truth that Christ is our mediator, may this truth sink deep into our hearts and bring transformation and change. And help us all, Father God, whether we are old or in the faith or new to Christian things, help us be able to stand confident in who we are in Christ and who we are because of his blood. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. I'd like you to imagine you're experiencing the bite of poverty. Experiencing the bite of poverty. Now, for some people, imagining experiencing the bite of poverty probably isn't always the hardest thing. It might have been a situation you grew up in and you knew that bite of poverty. It might be a situation from a recent past. It might be a situation you're going going through right now, that bite of, of poverty. Well, Imagine you're experiencing the bite of poverty and imagine that as you experience it, you know fully that it is totally your fault. It is 100% your fault, this bite of poverty. You spent money you didn't have and you gambled it away and you invested in things which just became nothing. How would you feel when you're experiencing the bite of poverty and you know that it's your fault? Well, you'd be entering sort of crisis mode, wouldn't you? And you'd try and be selling off everything that you've got to try, and, to, to try and steady yourself. And you'd be just feeling in such a desperate situation as, as bills just can't be paid. And they'd be feeling that, oh, I just feel guilty about what I have done. I'm embarrassed and full of shame. I'm in this situation. I'm feeling just desperate, experiencing this bite of poverty. And as... We're imagining a situation where we're feeling this bite of poverty, which is completely of our own creation. Well, then let's add into this picture that one day you get a phone call and you've discovered that some long-lost relative has just died and you've now experienced an inheritance. And it's quite a large inheritance. And actually, it's quite a large amount of money. And suddenly it's like, whoa, this bite of poverty is not a problem anymore because we've got this inheritance. And suddenly, oh, oh, I don't have to sell everything off. I can start buying things again. Suddenly, oh, I can just stand here with a bit of confidence. How would we feel then if we've experienced the bite of poverty to experience the joy of this inheritance? How would we feel then? We'll just feel relief. We'll be stable. Oh, we're secure. When we say here in verse 15, that Jesus Christ is our mediator of a new covenant, which means that we can receive the eternal, everlasting promise and inheritance. This is is the feeling we're sort of tapping into. This is the feeling we're tapping into. Because we've experienced that bite of spiritual poverty, of being people who are far and distant from the holy God, him in his holiness, us in our wickedness. And we, we felt that, that bite of that spiritual poverty. And now we experience the joy 
of that inheritance, the relief that that inheritance brings, that we can have this relationship with our, our Lord again, that we can live with him again in perfect peace and in perfect harmony and know that, oh, in this place of relief, our future is, is secure. The worries are, are gone, are washed, are finished because of Christ. Because of Christ and because of his blood, because of Christ and because of his mediation, we can stand confident knowing that these spiritual debts are gone and dealt with and finished. We were in this hostage situation to sin and Christ has come and he's paid that bill. And now we can experience relief. This is what it means when we say that Christ is a mediator of a new covenant. This is what it means for us who believe. But then the, the sort of natural question could be, well, how do we know that this is true? How do we know that we can stand with our sins forgiven, with our consciences cleansed? How do we know that Christ is our mediator who could, has won this glorious future, this glorious reality with a relationship with our living God? And, and the rest of, I think, chapter 9 sort of gives us six reasons for why we know this is true. Why we can stand confident that Christ is our mediator. Reason number one, you only get an inheritance when someone has died. Look down with me at verse 16. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is in force only when someone has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. Wills don't take effect when the person who made it is living. We all know that. That's how inheritance works. Tra tragically, my grandmother recently died. When she died, I received an inheritance. I wasn't, well, I wasn't expecting inheritance at all, to be honest. But I definitely wasn't expecting that inheritance when she was living. It is only when someone has died that we receive that inheritance. It is only now that Christ has died that we can receive this inheritance. But how do we know this is true, that Jesus is our mediator? Reason number two, covenants require blood. The covenants always require blood. Verse 18. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with the water, scarlet wool and branches of hyssop and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has, has commanded you to keep. This covenant under Moses, it required blood. This new covenant required blood. And so Jesus dies giving us the blood, giving us the covenant. Reason number three, we can trust that this is true. Well, the tabernacle is cleansed with blood. Verse 21. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Blood acts as a detergent against sin, against the fouling of sin. Against the ruin of sin, it acts as that detergent, it acts as that cleansing. And it washes, and the whole tabernacle needs to be cleansed so the sacrifices made there can be efficient. And as the law required the blood to cleanse the tabernacle, this blood, 
detergent blood, this blood detergent, well, Jesus came and he gave us this blood detergent so the tabernacle could be cleansed, so it could be clean. But reason four why we know Jesus is our mediator is Jesus didn't just cleanse the earthly tabernacle, he cleansed the real tabernacle. He cleansed the heavenly one. Verse 23, it was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these, for Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Christ has entered the heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly sanctuary, the real one, and he cleansed that one. If I said that I was going to wash your car, and then I came to your house and I just washed a toy car, well, it might be quite quaint to watch that activity happen, but it's not going to do any good. Jesus, when he comes and with his blood detergent, hasn't just washed the copy but he has washed the reality of the tabernacle itself. He has cleansed the reality of God's holy place so that his sacrifice may be offered. Because reason five for why we can know that Jesus is our mediator is that Christ sacrificed himself once for all. Verse 25. Nor did he, Jesus, enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest entered the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own, then Christ would have, been, would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Every priest that ever has, was in, ever was, was imperfect. And they offered what was only an imperfect sacrifice. That's what had to happen year after year after year after year. And then Jesus came in his perfection and this perfect priest offered a perfect sacrifice so it could be done once for all, finished and final. And his death could then act, his perfect death could then act as a cleansing for every sin that was past, a cleansing for every sin that was present and a cleansing for every sin that was future. This perfect priest offered his perfect sacrifice and he did it once for all. And that's how we can be sure, we can be confident that he is our mediator. And the sixth reason why we can be confident that Jesus Christ is the mediator of the new covenant, well, he's coming again. He will come again. Verse 27, chapter 9, verse 27. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of the many people and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And that verse 27, it sort of acts as an illustration just in the same way that all humans will die and then face judgment. In that same way, Jesus Christ died and he will come and he will bring that judgment. But for all those who have faith, in Christ, that day of judgment will be a day where we experience, where we receive, where we are given this eternal inheritance that was promised under the covenants of old. So this is why we can be confident that Jesus is our mediator, the mediator of a new covenant. This is why we can know that we will receive that inheritance, that the bite of spiritual poverty is not our ruin, 
This is how we know it for these six reasons. But as we reflect on how Jesus is our mediator and how we can know that for confidence, well, what does that mean for us today here in Sidcup? And as I was um, reading through these, uh, these verses, um, I realized that you don't really hit the application of these verses until you enter chapter 10. You sort of, the beginning of chapter 10, you're given more reasons to trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 10, verse 19, so Hebrews 10, 19, you're given our application. Therefore, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with a pure water. This is the application of Jesus being the mediator of, our, of the new covenant. Because when we say that Jesus is the mediator, he is standing before the holy God, before the Father. He's standing before him and he is saying, look at my blood. Look at my sacrifice. I have cleansed them and I have washed them. Their consciences, the guilt, it is gone. Their ransom, it is paid. But Christ the mediator, he stands before the Father, mediating our behalf, but he also is standing before us and mediating to us. You are washed. You are cleansed. Your ransom has been paid. It is dealt with and it is finished. So come on in. Come on in. You can enter the most holy of holies. You can come to your heavenly father. You can speak to him and you can rely on him and you can trust him. Come on into the holy of holies. Come on in. You're feeling weary and heavy laden. Jesus says to us, come on in. You're feeling anxious and stressed. Jesus says to us, come on in. You're feeling ill weak and like there's not many days left (laughs) come on in come on in you're feeling overwhelmed with burdens (sighs) Jesus says to us come on in come to your father you feel like there's conflict in your marriage and every conversation ends in an argument well (laughs) come on in come on in You feel worried for your kids and what they're going through and what they're experiencing. Come on in. Come on in. You're struggling to know how to deal with with singleness. Well, come on in. Come on in. We just really miss that loved one who is always by your side. Well, come on in. Come on in. You don't really know, how am I going to evangelize these work colleagues of mine? Will my brother and my sister, will they ever believe the gospel? Well, come on in. Come on in. There are a million reasons we can tell ourselves each day, 
why God doesn't want to see us and God doesn't want to hear from us. There are a million lies the devil can whisper in our ear to drag us down. But the truth and the reality is that Christ is our mediator. He is the mediator of the new covenant. And through his blood, we can now enter. So come on in. (laughs) Come on in. And find wisdom. And find grace. And find help. And find support. And find satisfaction. And find joy. From the only one who is able to give it to you. Christ is the mediator of the new covenant. And he is calling us today. Come on in. Come on in. Let's just take a moment of silence and then I'll close in prayer. Oh, there is God, King of kings and Lord of lords. We pray, may this truth that Christ is our mediator, may we hear it, may we believe it, and may we act upon it. As Christ is calling us all in our different situations in life, whether things are going well or things are going badly, whether things are easy or things are hard, to come to the Father with confidence, knowing that in Christ we are loved and cleansed and washed and forgiven and free and your children. Help us, Father God, to hear his words of mediation and to come to the Father and to receive grace and help and healing and hope. Draw us closer into your presence, into your throne room this day. In the name of Jesus, our mediator. Amen.